In, in lightning. Inspirational. Inspirational. Powerfully refining. Powerfully refining. And unapologetically controversial. Conversations with, with the Royal Impress. The entire world knows the secret of who you are. Now is the time to step into your queendom and become the Royal Empress that you're meant to be. One woman at a time. Conversations with the Royal Empress. Now Akima, she's the analytical Empress. Akima, she's the Empress that will challenge you. And Lakeshe Nadira, she's the Empress who tells it like it is. Now, straighten up your crown and be elevated through conversation. Conversation with the Royal Empress. Welcome to Conversations with Royal Empress. Joining me this week are my fellow Royal Empresses and co-hosts, Akila and Lakashe Nadira. How you doing, sisters? We're doing great, or I'm doing great. I'm sure Akila is too, right? <laughs> yes, all is well, all is well. Oh, that is good. Are you guys ready for today? Are you ready to just get involved in a deep conversation? Always, always, always. ready for deep conversation. Yep. All right. <laughs> Well, before we get started, I have an exercise. You know I love my exercises, right? Of course. Of course. Okay. All right. I'm going to do my exercise. All right. I want us three and also our listeners to envision them yourselves naked and covered in heavy and stinky mud. Can you do that for me? You are uncomfortable and smell this incredible stench. You see a tub full of hot and steamy bubble bath water. I want you to get in. Feel the mud falling off. Can you feel it? I can feel it. Oh, I feel so much better that this stinky mud, it's heavy, it's nasty, it's ugly, it's falling off. Smell the wonderful lavender scent that is coming from the bath water. I need you to smell that. You feel clean, don't you? I feel mm -hmm. clean. Do you feel clean? I feel clean. I do. <laughs> you feel clean? Do you feel revived? As your body is now clean again. Ooh, my body is just clean again. I feel like a woman again. Mm. But guess what? That mud represents sin and bad decisions. And that water is forgiveness. Welcome to this week's topic of self-forgiveness. All right, all right. We about to get deep in the mud. We about to get deep. We about to get in there because you know when we feel so bad about decisions or, or, or just feeling bad about life or ourselves it's like a weight it's a heavy weight it's not a clean feeling it's not a happy feeling so we need to share that today we need to talk about ways that we can share that and we need to learn to forgive so like i say i want you to expound on this because girl you get deep on that that self-discovery that self-love i want you to just just get deep for us can you do that for us can you just really kick off this topic Wow. Well, you know, you, the way you started it off with um, allowing us to go through this exercise, I think that's extremely profound because as I had my eyes closed and <clears throat> saw myself covered in mud, felt like I was in the wilderness <laughs> in the hills of North America. <laughs> <laughs> and then when you talked about the bubble bath and lavender and just the, you know, Oh my God. I, I mean, really, I went through the exercise and I felt so good being able to take all of that icky stuff off of me. And then I felt extremely, re, you know, just revived knowing that I left behind something that was unclean and dirty and icky. And now I was refreshed. And then you threw lavender in, you know, lavender, that's one of my scents. So as I think about that, you know, I can only imagine um, how a person feels when they can really 
let go of things that um, we have a tendency to hold on to with, I believe, you know, um, this topic of on forgiveness or self-forgiveness is so extremely important um, because I'm sure we see it every day just in our professional lives, in our, you know, um, personal lives, people who have a tendency not to forgive whether it's not forgiving themselves or not forgiving others. Um, so, you know, this is, this is perfect. This is a, a great topic. So it leads me to even ask what, what does it mean to forgive or what is forgiveness? I'm, you know, checking out, there's so many different definitions, but one of the definitions that I ran across, just a basic one, uh, forgiveness, the action or process of forgiving or being forgiven. Um, some synonyms for that is to pardon, absolution, exoneration, remission, dispensation, clemency, mercy, reprieve, amnesty. So those are just some of the examples or, yeah, some examples of what forgiveness uh, can look like. But, um, hmm. I always think about experiences that I've had, you know, where I have been either asked to forgive someone or either I had to forgive myself. And so it's really interesting that we talk about this subject because I like to share personal experiences and I just had one earlier today. And I wanted to share it because it's really near and dear to me. I have a cousin who's nine months younger than me and I may have talked about him on this podcast before. And he is right now experiencing, you know, some health challenges. But even prior to his health challenges, it has been on my heart and my mind to, you know, reach out to him and give him a call because I wanted to ask for forgiveness with him. And the reason being is because years ago when we were like first and second grade, and I know this is going way, way back, but I bullied him. I bullied him. And I bullied him, and it really doesn't matter the reason, but I did bully him because I myself was bullied, and I took the pain, I took the anger out on him. And so since I recognized that, and I kind of really had to dig deep into that and look at how it's affected him over the years. Now, we're both now well, uh, we're adults, of course, well into our 40s, but it's really interesting how certain things that we have a tendency to do, how it actually can ill affect, you know, um, a person. And so I wanted to just kind of make amends with him. And I had been wanting to do so for a while, but it was awkward. Cause like, how do you, how do you go back to first and second grade? How do you go back, you know, to something that maybe some people might even think it is, you know, it's been so long ago, it doesn't make any sense, but it was something that was on my heart because of some other things that had come up. So today was that day. Today I called him and I was a little concerned because he is not, you know, he is kind of sick and I didn't want him to think that I'm calling him because he's sick and I'm thinking something is going to happen. So I have to come and hurry up and, you know, ask for forgiveness. But I called him. We talked, had a really good conversation, very short. And towards the end, as we're getting off the phone, he's like, okay, well, I'll talk to you later. And I was like, okay, I said one more thing though. And I kind of laughed because I had to break the ice because it was silly and I felt very uncomfortable. I said, um, I wanted to just say to you, like, do you remember when we were like in first and second grade? And I laughed again because I had to feel comfortable. And he's like, yeah. And I was like, well, I want to just apologize because I want to apologize for bullying you. And he got quiet and then he laughed. And then he was like, oh, you don't have to worry about that. And then I said, no, it's important that I, you know, apologize. I said, because I realized that I, I mean, I bullied you. I did things to you. I tortured you, you know, and he was quiet. I could tell that this, I mean, again, we're talking first and second grade, but the fact that now I'm bringing it up, I'm talking to him about it. And then I kind of gave him the backstory, you know, and I told him the reason I bullied him, how, you know, I was getting chased home every day and I was being bullied. And in return, I felt like I had to take it out of him because he was at the root cause because I was protecting him. 
And, you know, we laughed lightly about it, but it lifted a weight off my shoulder. Now, I don't know the effect that it had on him. I won't know that. Maybe maybe we can talk about it at another time, um, the two of us. But what it did for me, I was able to breathe again. I was able to, I felt like I got a ton of weight off of me. So I'm saying all that to say, forgiveness, you know, as you so eloquently started the conversation off in allowing us to go through and walk ourselves through a beautiful exercise and what it means to release and let go of feelings, emotions, things that we should not hold on to anymore. And whether it means that we're forgiving ourselves for something that we've done or whether we're forgiving someone else. So that's my two and a half plus cent. <laughs> well, that was deep. I mean, think of, you know, a lot of our, uh, I think that our self-forgiveness could definitely come for trying to wrong or try to right a wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it's very hard if, if like in, in your case, when you said, you bullied him, you're not going to be able to forgive yourself until you can confront the person that you did harm to. That's a part of the healing process. If I wronged you, I got to come to you and say, you know what? I've come into a self-realization that I was wrong. Now I wrong you. Now, whether or not that person accepts it may or may not affect your ability to to forgive self, but it's part of the process. Because you, that's, you can't forgive until you resolve the issue. And, and oftentimes it's an issue that involves more than just yourself. I applaud you for that. Because how many people really do? And then they wonder why they can't forgive themselves. They can't relinqu- relinquish it. It's because you haven't went to the root of why you feel that forgiveness. A lot of times that, I mean, why you feel that way. A lot of times it's guilt. And so that's the root of it. You got to address the guilt in order for you to forgive yourself. Yeah. You, 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 you really hit on a key point, you know, the guilt part, because you're absolutely right. The guilt is oftentimes associated with the deep rooted seed of um, knowing that you've done something to someone else and knowing that you haven't sought forgiveness or you haven't repented. And it was amazing to me, and I guess because it just happened, you know, only a few hours earlier, but I wasn't even expecting to feel the way I felt after I had that conversation. I mean, I wanted to actually pick up the phone and call my mom. I wanted to call my aunt and be like, guess what, guess what? You know, I talked to my cousin and look, look, you know, but then I didn't think they would understand because they were probably like, those first and second grade. But I understand the effect that it had on him. And I think I shared this in a previous podcast of how of about four or five years ago, we're at a Thanksgiving dinner. And I noticed that still to this day, years later, there's this, there was this thing between us. He still really, the, the, the pain that I inflicted upon him at that time caused trauma and a trauma that he relives every time he sees me. And so that's why it was very important. And y'all probably like, well, what the heck did you do to him? You were first and second grade. Um, Well, a a little girl who was being bullied and scared and, you know, full of pain because of that trauma, I probably did enough, enough damage because again, you're talking about children and it's amazing the impact, you know, that pain has. So just with you, um, just reminding us of that, or just really stating that about the guilt, um, Hakima is so very true because I, I felt guilty and that's why it was easy for me to say, even I said to him when I, when he answered, I'm like, cause he's in the hospital. I said, and you know, he's all the way like in the Carolinas. I was like, do you need me to hop on a plane? Can I come and visit you? Do I need to, do I need to clean your house? <laughs> he's looking like, what is this girl talking about? But see, that's my guilt. He has no clue about what I'm holding on to. That's my stuff. It wasn't even his stuff. It was mine. Guilt is something else. And you can't fully forgive yourself, I guess, if you're walking around 
with the feelings of guilt for something that you've done or that you wronged someone. It was interesting though, as I was listening to your story, I recalled a Facebook friend of mine posted something about a girl from high school reached out to her to apologize to her for bullying her in high school. And my friend didn't even remember it. Mm. And she said it was so insignificant to her that she was like, really? Like I was unbothered then and I'm unbothered now kind of a thing. And Mm. so what I was thinking about is that sometimes our guilt makes us to believe that someone feels a certain way that they don't necessarily feel. Right. You Ooh, have. That's the, that's the, yeah. yeah. You created this out of your own guilt and your own pain for something you feel, because really I think sometimes what we do is we put ourselves in that position to say, if someone had done this to me, this is probably mm. how I would feel, but you don't necessarily know the effect that you had on that other person. And so you walk around carrying a burden that that's probably unnecessary but mm. we don't know but that's the problem and that's where self-forgiveness comes in because we sit up and we hold on to things that we think we did yeah and the other person may as my friend stated have been unbothered and i've had people who have apologized to me for stuff and half the time i don't even know what they're talking about But I've also gotten to a place where forgiveness for me starts with myself first Mm -hmm. and then to that other person. And, you know, sometimes some people have done something to us and we feel bad because we've allowed it to happen to us. Mm. And you feel like, how did I put myself in a position for this to happen? And so some of the guilt that you hold on to is self-imposed because yeah. you feel like, I know better. How did I right. let this happen to me? And so regardless of what, whether they apologize or not, you still have to deal with the fact that you feel guilty about even allowing yourself to be in that position. Yeah. And a lot, we, we see that a lot with relationships we see that a lot with things that we, as far as our children, as parents, all of this happens. But where I come from now, like with, with the forgiveness thing, and this is interesting because I had a good friend tell me one time about forgiveness. And there's two things. There's two things. So I was reading something. I don't recall where it was. But they said sometimes your forgiveness you intervene in somebody else's karma that, that, that needs to happen to them. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I feel about that, but that was something mm-hmm. that I read. But there was this mm-hmm. other thing where I told a person that who I felt had done some things wrong to me. I said, well, I've let it go. And I've forgiven myself for putting myself in a certain position. I said, and as to you, you know, whatever forgiveness you need to, you get, let the universe handle that. Mm-hmm. So, because as, as far as I was concerned, it's like, it's not even my, it's not my job to forgive you. Hmm. As long as I've let it go, though. So in mm-hmm. letting something go doesn't mean that I have necessarily forgiven you. It just means that I've let it go that I'm not holding on to it for me. And that's the thing is that when you hold on to stuff, then you do more harm to yourself. And so then you have to forgive yourself for holding on to something. Right. That's so, really deep. That's wild. Yeah. yeah also, I would, I, say that I again. Wanna, I want to be a, I won't say devil's advocate, but <laughs> come from a different angle. When you said it, it's true. I do agree with you. I'm not saying I don't agree with you. I just want to come from a different angle as well when you say you confront a person and a person's like i don't even remember that this this that could very well happen but uh coming from a different angle it could be subconscious in that person's mind something that they bury deep down and just mm-hmm. your words of atonement or your words of apology mm-hmm. it's got to seep in because that that pain could be so deep to them oh i don't recall that 
Yeah, they don't recall it at that moment, but it could be deep down pain. And it may not be. An another thing it could be, too, some people just like to save face. I'm strong. I, I Don't nothing bother me. Right. But deep down inside, they could be like, dang, I'm so glad they told me that because it's been bothering me for years. Mm-hmm. So it's like when we say things, like you said, you can't be worried about how your apology affects them or whether or not they accept it or not. You've done your part. You've done, you went through the process to help yourself heal and possibly help them heal. I've, I've, I've watched people in a situation where someone talks about them, they start laughing, but later they're damn near crying because mm-hmm. that, that was a mask they put up to, mm-hmm. to, to, to fit so that they wouldn't appear vulnerable. So I do agree with you, uh, Keela. I just, I've just seen some, some scenarios Actually, when people tried to play the role, like, oh, that didn't bother me, but it really did. And, and just let's say if that is the case for some people that you may apologize to, you've set two souls free. You set your soul free and you set their soul free. So in giving something, you receive something. You no, just free two I souls. I agree with that. I completely agree with you because people do try to save face. Yeah. And that, and that, so that is definitely a reality. Oh, I'm good. I mean, how many times do people tell you they're okay when they're not okay? Mm-hmm. Because you're trying to be strong or you're trying to put on this brave face. Sometimes though, it's the truth. Sometimes what you've done to someone does not penetrate. It doesn't get to them. So it really depends on who it is. It depends on what it is. Sometimes you have to look at Sometimes the relationship of the people and where that person is in their life, we'll never know. So I, I would never say don't apologize right, if you right. feel that you should apologize. I'm just saying that sometimes we're holding on to something so tight and so guilty and not realizing that that person may not even care. So it's like you may care more than that person does. True, true. And so I'm saying don't, don't, don't beat yourself up. Right. And don't put yourself in a position because they very well may be unbothered. And so you can create things in your mind that do not exist. This is true. Now, what I thought was interesting about what you mentioned earlier, Keila, you mentioned two things. Um, You mentioned um, something that you read or someone shared with you, and I'm not able to really quite quote you, but I'm gonna come back to that. But then you also mentioned the person who you, or have pointed out that um, about forgiveness with you Mm -hmm. and you mentioned, you know, that you had gotten it off of you pretty much. Uh, Not necessarily saying that you forgave them, but you didn't, you weren't carrying that burden on you. If Mm -hmm. I'm uh, understanding that correctly and that you would allow the universe to handle that. I wanted to ask a question regarding that. So does that, did that mean at that time with that particular um, situation Am I understanding you correctly to say that you felt like it wasn't up to you to forgive? Like, in other words, that's not my position to forgive you. I'm just going to kind of move past it. It's not on me. I'm not carrying it on me anymore. But whatever you need out of the situation, I'm not giving it to you. Let the universe handle it. Is that kind of what you're saying? That's exactly what I said. Okay. And so it makes me to think, it brings me to think about, I guess, the two-way street mm-hmm. of forgiveness. So, like, apparently this person had done something to you that they felt like they needed to be forgiven from you for, correct? Well, the, the particular situ- scenario that I'm speaking of, the person hadn't at that particular point asked for my forgiveness. Okay. What I said was that I was going to forgive myself for the entire situation, period. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because I'm not getting ready to hold on to this. And right. so, and I'm not getting ready to offer up forgiveness to you, even though I've let it go that you need to seek that on your own. So to, and so I'm, whatever, I'm whatever, whatever mm-hmm. is to come to you is to come uh-huh. to you. That's, that's, that's really how I uh, felt about it. 
nothing that I have to do. I don't have to do anything to you. I'm not going to wish anything negative on you. I'm not going mm -hmm. to do any of that. But so, sometimes I think that we want to rush out and forgive people. Well, you can forgive them. Let me, let, let me, let me be a little more clear with that. You can, you, because when you let something go, in essence, you have kind of, you've let it go. So it's mm -hmm. not there. It's not bothering you. It's not haunting you. It's not bringing you down. It's none of that. But we get into this thing sometimes where we're like, oh, well, let me forgive. Let me, let me, let me tell this person I forgive them. And they haven't even asked for forgiveness. Mm. Mm. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, 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 I'll, and let me just say this quickly. You see this, I'm just going to go off outside of the relationship thing. You see this with black people. Have you noticed when something happens to somebody in our community, somebody's child is killed, something happens with racism, and and you out there forgiving, mm -hmm. <laughs> and nobody even asked you for your forgiveness. Like that, <laughs> it's okay to let go of the pain and to clear what you need to clear, but you let the universe handle them. Um, yeah. I don't need no, to intervene on your behalf so that you don't get whatever karma is coming to you. I see what you're saying. I think I'm understanding more from your yeah. point. Because, That's yeah, when you were speaking earlier, the first thing I was thinking of, you know, just a moment ago before you said that, I was thinking of the um, uh, Charlotte situation with the mm -hmm. church members. That's yeah. the first thing that popped in my mind. Um, but I'm glad that you use that as an example because it helps me to understand your point better. I guess in my mind, I was just thinking of it like, does it mean that even though you've let it go, you're holding back the, I guess, seed of forgiveness? But what you're saying is that, first of all, they didn't ask me to forgive. I have made a choice to say I'm letting it go because I'm getting it off of me because that's between me and my God. That's between me and what, you know, I'm about. I'm, in other words, I'm protecting myself. Mm -hmm. I'm, pro I'm protecting myself. And in me protecting myself, I'm not concerning myself with you. Exactly. Like, not that I'm wishing you anything wrong, but you're not my concern. I'm my concern. Exactly. And if I'm my concern, then... What is it when we talk about self-love? When we, when we talk about self-preservation, which is the first law of nature, which it relates to self-love, then that means I need to care for myself first. Yes. So I'm going to take care of myself. But what you're not going to do, what you're not going to do, you're not going to force me to, I guess, and I guess, you, well, let me finish the sentence. You're not going to force me or make me quote unquote, forgive you so that you can feel comfortable. And now you can feel like, okay, God, you know, whatever. Uh, she, she gave me her forgiveness. So now I'm free. I'm not about to give you your freedom. You still are going to have to go through the process to get whatever you're going to get, but I ain't going to give it to you. Atone for your own sins. Atone for, yeah. So that, that's interesting, which brings me to this. <laughs> So we're talking a lot about forgiveness and Hakima, this is just, this is, this is a deep subject. This is, it really can be a two part or three part series. Yes, yes, exactly. There's so many layers to this. You know, you started off dealing with self-forgiveness, right? Mm -hmm. And taking us through that whole scenario. But of course, when you talk about forgiveness, period, is going to extend beyond just us. Because we have to enter now into the other areas of forgiveness. And so with everything that we're talking about, you know, we actually are really blessed in that almost, what, 24 years ago, if I'm not mistaken, we were really given a blueprint um, through the eight steps of atonement that was offered to us during 1995 at the Million Man March. Donable Minister Louis Fargon, he presented what was termed as the Eight Steps of Atonement. And the Eight Steps of Atonement 
are centered really around forgiveness, which forgiveness is actually number six of the eight steps. So I'm just going to like kind of read them off and we can talk about them, but I'm just going to say them out loud first. And then we may not even get through all of this because again, this is so layered, but it all points back to forgiveness. It all points back to atonement. So the first step is pointing out the wrong. You know, the second one is acknowledging the wrong. The third is the confession of the fault. Fourth being repenting. Five being atonement. Six being forgiveness. Seven being reconciliation and restoration. And then eight being the perfect union with God. So we just started off with number one. And I'll go back to the example that I used earlier with my cousin. You know, if we're talking about pointing out the wrong, before you can even forgive anybody for anything, you have to first acknowledge that it was a problem. You have to first point it out. That's the very first stage, which it stated that this is the most difficult stage. <laughs> it's probably the most difficult, not probably. It is one of the most difficult stages in the whole eight steps of atonement process because sometimes we can be wrong and we may not even know that we're wrong. So how can I point out the wrong if I don't even know that I did anything wrong to begin with? Which means that if I don't know that I've done anything wrong to begin with, that means that in order for me to even get to that, then that means somebody else has to point it out for me. And how hard can that be when somebody else is pointing out that I've done wrong? Mm -hmm. is that sometimes somebody may point something out to you as wrong that you may not even deem as wrong. Mm. Wow. Now that's, that's a whole nother. That's <laughs> it's deep because somebody else's perception is, is just that it's their perception. True. true. And I think that, Unless you just simply have no soul or you simply mm. have nothing, if you've done something wrong, innately you know it's wrong. Because that's when the guilt steps in. Mm -hmm. So if you feel guilty about something that you've done or you think to yourself, hmm, maybe I shouldn't have done that. If you have to ask yourself if what you did could have possibly been wrong, then probably it is. So when we say, how do we discover? Or how do we understand that we've done something wrong? I think that you tend to, to know a little bit because you know what happens? You pick up the phone and you call your friends and you, you give them the scenario of what happened. Mm -hmm. What do we say? You think I was wrong? Mm -hmm. <laughs> we do it, right? Well, I said this and maybe I shouldn't have said that. I think I might have been a little harsh when I said this. You know, and sometimes you have the other people like, girl, no, nah, you wasn't wrong. You should. No, 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 no. <laughs> you you yeah. know, you have a feeling in your gut. You have that. Uh Oh, I think sometimes immediately you feel it. You absolutely do. I think. And like you said, there, there may be situations where the other person might say, oh, no, you didn't do anything wrong. But this is what makes it wrong. Because, see, you can't judge your wrongness <laughs> based on somebody else's <laughs> perception of it. You can only judge it based on how you felt about it. Because mm -hmm. the other person can be doing wrong left and right and they bother them because they don't, it does, they don't have maybe a self-accusing spirit anymore. Their self-accusing spirit is dead. They killed it a long time ago. They killed it a long time ago, been buried. So when you're running <laughs> by somebody else and they're like, oh, no, that ain't wrong. I just bust somebody upside their head, took their person, everything. Girl, I mean, I'm just saying hey. we would never do anything. I know I'm going extreme, but you know, <laughs> no, let me wrong. I would have bust upside their head too. I would, you know. So you know, they seriously are somewhere else that you're not. Mm -hmm. So you definitely can't judge it based on another person. You can only judge it where you are. Which, if that is the case, so let's say if you're using yourself as the meter to judge it. The person on the left is way below the belt. They, they gone. They did. But then maybe the person to the right is way up high. And they're like, oh, yes, you've done wrong. You know, you've done wronger than you think. 
but still can I guess my question goes back to the original one or what you even con continued on when we talked about pointing out the wrong if another person doesn't even feel that they've done wrong how therefore it, and we're, if we're basing this on perception mm -hmm. because if we got the person on the left who's one extreme the person on the right who's another extreme and then i'm in the middle but are we only basing it up against where we and i as you pointed out if if i felt something i felt it was wrong then it was wrong but what if i don't feel anything like the person on the left and so i don't have what meter am i judging it from so therefore somebody else comes and they say hey you've done me wrong or that was wrong you're like oh no it wasn't you know what i mean i don't even know what question i'm asking can you help me no, out I, here I think I'm, trying to, I'm under trying to understand what you're saying because that's a reality when we talk about perceptions if if i say if i come to you like shay and i say sis you you wronged me and you're like no i didn't what are you talking about right to me it was wrong to you it wasn't right. so how do you atone for something that you don't even feel you did wrong but then for me but then for me okay then what do i do with that do i hang mm -hmm. on to what you can't see that you've done to me to the point where now i have internalized it and now i can't even so then what do i do then then i need to let it go that's so oh my god this 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 is so deep i don't even know where we gonna end up with this one because yeah but then i gotta let it go because again i'm seeking you some people act like they can't move on because they don't get somebody else to just come out and say oh i'm sorry i did this to you so I mean, it is. It's deep, and it's it. And and some it can be difficult. And and I know Hakima likes to hear me say this. There's so many layers to this. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking, look, look. I guess I must adopt it from you because I was just thinking. You know, I love it. You know, I love it. But when we start talking about the original name of the topic is self forgiveness, and we're gonna get through all of those eight steps of atonement too. But, you know, how do we apply that to ourselves? And the one thing when we say acknowledging the wrong in terms of self-forgiveness, I can acknowledge, okay, somebody did something to me. I deem it wrong. That person is not going to acknowledge it. They're not going to admit it. They don't care. Then what do I do with that? But do we need that to for self-forgiveness if i went to someone and, and in the process of me forgiving myself and i say case in point you can go to a parent that just said you said you wronged me as a child and they say no i didn't is that going to prevent you from healing or forgiving self you've you've went through that process your happiness and your forgiveness should not be based on whether or not this person agrees or disagrees with you exactly. if you just got to go through the process so if because it happens i mean you know how many people have approached the person that have wronged them and that person act like they ain't did nothing wrong well that's their hell that they're in it has nothing to do with you they're in misery they're in hell and they they could be so wicked like the quran says if you they could be so wicked god just turned they stay heart to stone they can't hear nothing because they have got to the point where God said, I'm done with them. So for all you know, you could be talking to someone that God has already said, I'm done with them. You ain't going to be able to reach them no way. So what you got to focus on is yourself and saying, I confronted the person. I've gone through that, that step in the process. Now I'm going to move on to the next step so that I can get to the point where I do forgive myself. Which right. is why I said before, let the universe handle that. There you go. Because, but you know, a lot of people get stuck in that phase because it's a process. It's multi steps. You don't want to be stuck in one step for five years because what well, this person did acknowledge me. You can't give them that much power. But a lot of times we do. We get go. We get so caught in the emotion of it. You, we, you know, we are so afraid to be vulnerable, and in our uh, fear of vulnerability, 
you know, we, we personalize things that we should not personalize that don't have anything to do with us. Man. We got to take it as a lesson learned. Like if you got a problem, that ain't got nothing to do with me. It's personal with you. That's between you and your Lord. And I'm, I'm going to step off of that because that's a relationship that I don't want to be a part of. With someone else's relationship with their Lord, that's personal. That's not something we need to get involved in. Just like they don't get involved in ours. You move on to perfect your relationship. It's like if we treated God a little more like we treat people we're in a relationship as far as our focus, we would do a lot better. If, 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 if as a woman, if God is your man or as a man, if you're in a relationship with God, you focus on them. Don't worry about everybody else trying to get involved in your relationship. You worry about your relationship with them and getting with him and getting it right. So that's what we have to do. If the person does not want to accept that, then you move on. You go to the next step. And this is true. This you you're saying such a mouthful <laughs> when you talked about being stuck because right now if we're talking right now about eight steps of atonement and you're saying if you're stuck at one and you stuck at one for five years that's that's man that's that's tragic that's that's, that's really deep and i agree with what you're saying in terms of you can't get so caught up in what somebody else is saying or doing or not doing that you're unable to move on. Okay, you, they don't see where they've wronged you, but you want to stay there. Oh, yeah, you wronged me. You, no, you can't. But what about the opposite of that, too? Now, and I won't even call it the opposite of that. If we're dealing with a person who has wronged someone, but yet they, in their mind, they feel like they really didn't. No, I didn't wrong you, but you saying I did. And I'm telling you, you did. And you're telling me, no, I didn't. Now the question is, even though you may not have seen, or maybe you don't perceive what you did to be um, a big deal, because you don't think you wronged that person at all, but if a person is telling you that that's how you made them feel, if they're telling you, man, this is what it did to me, do you still have an obligation? Because now I'm talking about the opposite end. I'm not talking about the person who's bringing it to you, but you, the person who is being bought to, do you still have an obligation to acknowledge that? You don't see it. You didn't think you did it. But this is what they're telling you it made them to feel like. This is what they're saying it did to them. To me, in my mind, I feel that, yes, I'm saying, Hakima, this is what you did to me. You saying, no, girl, I ain't did nothing to you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I could say, I ain't did nothing to you, girl. I don't know what you talking about. <laughs> You, I'm saying you stepped on my foot. You telling me <laughs> I did not. I'm telling you, hey, there's nobody else in this room. Your footprints are on my foot and it hurts. And you like, look, I was very careful. I did not step on your foot. I don't care what you say. We know it ain't no thing as Casper the Friendly Ghost up in this mug. <laughs> Somebody stepped on my foot and it was you. I'm thinking that even though I don't remember stepping on your foot, I didn't step on your foot as far as I know. But you're telling me I did. And okay, and is a footprint. You know what? I didn't mean to step on your foot. I'm, I'm going to acknowledge what you're presenting to me. I'm going to still acknowledge it because no, I don't see it. I don't think I did it. But this is what you're telling me it did to you. Is that how it's supposed to go? What do you all think about that? Or am I, I supposed to say, you know what? Look, that's your issue. Get over it. That ain't mine because I know what I did. <laughs> I know what I didn't do. I know dang gone well I didn't step on your foot. I wouldn't even step on your foot. I can see. You know, I wear glasses. I, I'm, I clearly know that that's not what I did. You, you, you tweaking. You know, your, your brain is messed up. What, what, what do you say about that? You know what? I, I'm going to give you an example of it. I, I agree with you. You should at least acknowledge it. But in dialogue, both parties may come to an understanding that there was a misunderstanding. Let me give you an example. I had an assignment where I had to monitor the safety of another officer. 
he's in a situation where it was unsafe. He's by himself with like 70, almost 70 inmates. And I couldn't see him, and he's a sure guy. He's on one wing. There's another guy on another wing talking. He's banging on the door. My chest hurt, and I just went off on him. I mean, I snapped him. I went off. So afterwards, it was some words, and then maybe 30 minutes went by, and I said, man, maybe I need to talk to him because it, I really wasn't snapping on him. So when I went into the wing, I made my error in the public, so I, I said I'm going to do my correction in the public. So I went to him, and I said, let me, I called his name. I said, let me talk to you. I said, I apologize because I don't know how, how you took that. I saw that you was upset. That wasn't my attention. I really wasn't focused on you. I was actually, my attention was directed to someone else and I was yelling, yelling somewhere else. And when you interrupted that, that energy that was going in that other room, I ended up turning to you and directing that to you. I said, I apologize. He felt wrong. Like he really felt hurt because he was having chest pains because medical staff confirmed it. He's having chest pain. Something's going on. We got him. But we got to take him. We got to take him over to the hospital and check him out. So for him, I don't know how he perceived it, but he perceived it like, man, she went off on me. She insisted she didn't understand. But in that dialogue, me and him got to talking. I, I said that to him in front of like 67 other guys. I said, I never intended to yell at you. It was just I was yelling somewhere else because it was a dangerous situation. And when you interrupted that, you got it. And he, he, I could see the relief in his face. I said, I apologize if I showed some insensitivity to your situation. And just that dialogue, it was no problem. Ever after that, I saw him like two years in a row, and I never had any issues, and it seemed like we were on a respected level. But the look on his face when I said, when I gave him, well, I gave him the clarity on what was going on, it was a relief. So sometimes just two people coming together and me just acknowledging that, they, that you were offended, but yet at the same time me telling you what my intention was because you can offend someone not knowingly. You know what I'm saying? Like you may, you may offend them but that because they perceived it that way, but yet you didn't really do it. You, you was doing something else and that's just the way they perceived it. But them presenting it to you and you all having dialogue just cleared the air. So now what could have been an offense was now just a misunderstanding. So you, sometimes you don't even have to go through that entire process because once you find out, wait a minute, that was a misunderstanding? Oh, we can end this eight steps of Tommy right here. We can throw this out because that wasn't even no offense made. I thought it was. I misunderstood. You know what, you, what, what has happened, though? Now let me ask you this. Did he forgive you? You know, because it's because the reason I'm asking is because as you're talking, you literally really went through the, the all eight steps. No, I guess just within that process because you pointed out the the, the wrong was pointed out. Well, it was you his wrong. Remember, it was it was what he acknowledged because I'm like I didn't wrong you, but the look on his face and what he said, I said, you know what? Let me listen to this guy. And so, mm -hmm. right. Okay, so well, even in pointing out the wrong, the wrong doesn't have to necessarily be pointed out by the one individual who was wrong. If I just said that correctly, it can be pointed out by because sometimes a person may wrong somebody not knowing that they wrong somebody. Right. Sure. So it can be pointed out by either party, but then the wrong was acknowledged. You acknowledged it because you thought about it. Then you confessed your fault to him. You went to him to say, "Listen, dude." Um, I didn't mean, you know. And then there was a sense of repenting, if you will. And from that point, there was atonement. Then, and then that's why I asked that he forgive you. But in truth, it's like, even though, like you said, in some cases, you'll realize that you don't have to even go through all the eight steps. But then at the end, or towards the end, then there was a reconciliation. Because you all were cool. Is like, like you said, you've seen them since that time. No issue, no problem, because you all were able to come to uh, an agreement to where, you know, well, we good. And so then it gets back to how did you feel at the end of it all? 
And how did he feel at the end of the end of it all? Because the last step in the eight step process is perfect union mm. with God. Mm. That's a good point. What was so peace? When you think about the per- perfect union. Who who is well? Who is God? Who is the peace within inside of yourself? You know what? I'm good with that. I, I'm okay. I feel good about it. I don't feel. I'm not losing sleep over it tonight. You know, I don't feel like I really. I feel good. You know, so just within less than ten minutes, maybe thirty. You, I mean, literally the whole process was completed. Now, of course, this does not mean that this is how it looks every day, because there are some situations that may require several years. Oh, I got another one for you. Go ahead. And this is one, and this is one I I have to, I'm in the process of forgiving myself for. Okay. My biological father, it was a strained relationship with him. Mm. He's dying, and I'm like 16, 17. And he he reaches out to me, and he's like, I want to, I want to see you. I want you to come to the hospital to see me. I have some things I want to say to you. Me and my anger. And my, well, there was a lot of, lot of emotions going. There was a lot of mixed feelings and controversy. And my vengefulness, I was like, yeah, I'll be there. I'll, I'll be at the hospital to see you tomorrow. But in reality, I had no intention to go to the hospital. I wanted to do him like he did me. The times he said, I'm going to come get you. And I'm waiting for him. He didn't show up. Mm. So I, felt, I found the need to instead allow him to go through those state steps of atonement. The devil in me was like, F him. You know, okay, I'm a teenager, and you know, my mother tried to tell me, don't ever allow someone that option to get peace. You need to take the emotion out of it. But I wasn't listening. I was like, hey, my damn dad. You know, that was me talking out of ignorance and foolishness. And now that I'm much older, I have to forgive myself because I, I did not allow him that opportunity to atone with me because mm. I ended it abruptly. And, and blocked his opportunity to say, I want to get it right, right with you before I leave this earth because I don't really know his story. I was at that point, I didn't want to know his story because I felt the hell with your story. Was it more important than my life? Mm-hmm. But that's something that I'm in the process of forgiving myself because he's dead now. I can't say that. I'm ready to let you atone because he's no longer here. And sometimes in our ego and our emotions, we will not, we will prevent the person who needs to go through those state steps of atonement. We'll prevent them from, or we won't give them that opportunity. We become the devil and we block mm. that. So I wanted to give that as an, as an example. And hopefully, hopefully um, some people learn from that. Give people the opportunity to atone, whether you like it or not, even at the end, you may not like it, but give them that opportunity because that's a process that they have to have between them and their Lord. He's in the process of meeting his Lord, and I'm, a, and I'm offending that process by getting in my feelings. So I just wanted to give that as an example. I just want to say congratulations to you for that, to getting to, getting to a point where you can go through the process of forgiving yourself. Because that, that sounds heavy. You know, it can't be heavy. It doesn't have to be. Meaning heavy to have to carry that. And of course, in your maturity, and, you know, it's been years, and you've grown, so I'm sure you see it very differently, because now you have children the same age that you were when, you know, back during that time when you chose not to allow him to go through that process, so that's definitely commendable to get to the point where you recognize that you need to forgive yourself, because apparently we don't need to forgive ourselves for something that we don't feel that we've done. So that means that you have to have already went through those other processes before to get to this point of forgiveness. You point out the wrong, you acknowledged it, you know, you confess it, you repent it, you're atoning. Now number six is now forgiveness. So I think that it speaks so many volumes, you know, and you, you mentioned a very key point, which actually when Akilah was speaking, I thought about this as well, which was the emotion rising above emotion, because in order to really complete this process, we have to rise above our emotions. I have to get so high 
from where I'm feeling, my gut is telling me or my, my um, Lord self is saying, like you said, screw him. You didn't think about me when it was my life. So I'm not thinking about you. But your higher self, which now is your adult self in maturity, has been able to go through a graduation process. You've matriculated all the way now to the PhD level, <laughs> you know, and now you can put your cap on, you know, you can put your tassel on and you can walk across the stage because you've been able to elevate yourself through a process, which was not easy, but it required the requirement or the prerequisite to get here was to dig deep, get past the ego, rise above the emotion. And now that process of forgiveness, you're climbing into the thinking of God. Because again, number eight is perfect union with God. Well, how else do you get there except that you climb and rise? When you're rising, think about it like a ladder. As we're going up the ladder, like I talk about the matriculation, as you're going up to the ladder, you're rising, you're going up. It's a process. You don't just get on a ladder and you up. You don't just take the ladder and, oh, I'm up. No, you have to walk up it. You have to be careful. You have to make sure the ladder is grounded. It can't be halfway connected to the house. You know, it has to have a, a stable foundation, steady. And then as you go, you know, you're getting higher and higher and higher. But then eventually you get to that place that you're ultimately striving for, which in the case of a ladder, maybe it's the roof. I don't know. And in this case, it's the roof of God. It's the top. It's the very, you know, pinnacle. So that's just a beautiful thing to even be able to look back and recognize that, you know what, I need to do this, you know, the same way with my cousin, you know, and it kind of seems silly because I'm like, yeah, but that was second grade. You know, I keep saying that, but it took me all these years to get here. Well, I guess because before I didn't really, I acknowledge it. You know how when Akilah, when you started off and I think Hakima, you mentioned it too, how we save faith. You know, I ain't bother me. I ain't nothing to it. That you know, that's really I think for years what I did with the the bullying. I mean, he can get over it. I mean, we was just children. That ain't no big deal. That ain't that was second grade. Are you kidding me? He's an adult now. Yeah, but it pained in my mind. It pained him because I've watched him, and I've seen different things in the same way with me. I had to. I wasn't acknowledging it before because I wasn't grown. I wasn't on that level. I was still on a, a um, uh, I guess, horizontal plane. Now you all know I got all kinds of stuff I'm thinking over here, right? <laughs> are, they, are any of them songs? Do you have a song for us that you like to sing? Nothing. <laughs> You know she got a song. Come on with it. Come on with it. You got a song. I know you got one. <laughs> no song is in my head tonight. What? <laughs> we. I, have, I am offended. <laughs> I need you to talk with me because you don't have no song right now. <laughs> and tell Martha over there not to on, okay? <laughs> that is hilarious. <laughs> but... I feel some kind of way about all of this. And, and so, and I guess that's why sometimes there's difficulty in this, because again, I want to get back to even just that whole part of self-forgiveness and how we create things in our minds regardless. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because you do, you, I agree with everything that you all were saying. It's just that I think that there's also another side to it because am I denying somebody, I get that as far what you were saying, Hakeem, about, you know, get out of your emotions. Don't deny someone else an opportunity to get right. And I can see that in the situation when we're talking about a parent, but then you think, is it my obligation to make 
you put you in a position where you can get right when you've essentially wronged me? Like, why is that my responsibility? I don't think it is. Yeah. And, and, and see, and I keep going to this place of, because we're black people, and, and I don't want to make this a racial thing, but, but with us, you know, somebody can twist that to say, well, see, this is why we should forgive our oppressor. Because, <laughs> because if somebody comes to you and say, I wronged you, please forgive me. I wronged you for 400 plus years. Do you forgive me? Hell no. So, but I'm not holding on to it and it's not affecting me. I think everything is, 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 is a case by case scenario. If it's going to do what it did to Hakima, and that is make you feel guilty for not doing it because there's a different type of relationship. But then you think about different scenarios, right? I, and I mean, and I don't have a problem saying this because I, there's no guilt behind this for me, but I was molested as a little girl by an uncle. He's dead, but I didn't feel no reason to forgive him. Mm -hmm. None. So, and, but I'm also not holding on to it. It also doesn't have this effect on my life because part of forgiving yourself too is also understanding that you didn't do anything to deserve something and it's not your burden or your cross to bear. Mm. Teach. So, so wow, that's deep. So, you know, so if, if he were to call and tell me on his dying bed, I want you to come and talk to me to forgive me, I, I wouldn't have gone and I wouldn't feel shit. I'm, Scott, I'm sorry. I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> You're keeping it real, sis. You're keeping it real. <laughs> and I wouldn't feel anything about that. And, and I get it. But maybe if it was, if it had a hold on me. Mm. See, that's the thing. Sometimes you have to go and, and, and you need to get something from somebody because it has a grip and a hold on your life where you're somewhere stuck and you can't move on. So then you need to be able to forgive that person and you need for them to apologize to you. Yeah. That's kind of the whole thing with that forgiveness thing. A lot of it is, is that you've caused an injury that someone else can't seem to overcome. Mm. Wow. And for me, if I don't need to overcome it, I really don't need you to apologize to me because I really don't give a damn about your apology. There comes a point when we can see there, there, these, there's these emotions. You can have, like, I don't believe that hate is the opposite of love. Indifference is. Indifference means I don't give a damn one way or the other. You are a non-factor to me. That's the opposite. Love and hate are two, two emotions that are equally as strong just on two ends of the spectrum. Oh, oh that's deep. <laughs> so... At the point that I'm not holding on to anything because I'm indifferent. Mm. Your apology is not necessary for me. That's deep. You know, I, mean, I was going to read some scriptures, but there's so many passages in the Bible and there's so many um, verses in the Quran that talks about forgiveness, self-forgiveness and repentance. And guess what? The two, the two entities that are involved is you and God, no one else. So it just Absolutely. it just supports what you said, Akila, with whether they come to you or not, or whether you want to or not, it it has nothing to do with them. You gotta let it go. You know, that's uh one of the uh laws of detachment when it comes mm -hmm. to the seven spiritual laws of success. I just read that book. Thank you for uh recommending that, Akila. As I've seen this book for years and I'd be like, I ain't trying to read that. But I'm glad I let you talk me into getting it. It's a very good book. And in the it's seven laws, but I want to talk about two of them. 
One of them is the law of detachment. And that is in order to acquire anything in the universe, you have to relinquish your attachment to it. You got to let it go. I mean, Which it's is a what law. I um, like what you were saying, let it go. See, you, you really are bad by these rules, don't you? <laughs> uh, another law I like to, to address, too, is law number two, which is the law of giving and receiving. And that is that dynamic exchange in the universe. You, you give something, you receive something. So these, some, these laws are just so uh, prevalent to our discussion. You got to give, you got to let things go, but you also got to give back to yourself and then you'll receive, you'll get, a, you'll receive something. If we got something that we can't handle, we got to give it to the Lord, let him handle it. And he'll give us peace in return. This, this is, um, this is definitely going to be a two-parter because it's so many layers. <laughs> Here we go with the layers again. Keila, you know you just started some girl. Thank you for joining Conversations with the Royal Empress. I hope you enjoyed this week's topic. But join us next week as we discuss part two of self-forgiveness. Thanks for listening to another episode of Conversations with the Royal Empress. Tune in next week for another enlightening conversation. For more information on the Royal Empress, please visit the website royalempress.org. You can also follow the Royal Empress on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Conversations with the Royal Empress is a subsidiary of the Royal Empress Organization. All rights reserved.